So, um, good to remember the heroes who have laid down their lives throughout the wars that have been on this earth. They'd laid down their lives for their, for their family, for their friends, and for their country. And, you know, I did a little bit of research before preparing my message, and it was, it was calculated that the total number of military and civilian casualties in World War I was about 40 million. 40 million casualties in World War I, just World War I alone, of which about 10 million were military personnel that ran into those bullets and, and gave their lives. And you know, their sacrifice, like Chris has just said, their sacrifice brought the freedom that we now call um, democracy. We call it democracy. And so we're not a fascist society. We are a democracy. And you know, you just think about the freedoms that those soldiers, the, 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 the fact that they lay down their lives for us, you think of the freedoms that we actually, that are as a result of them laying down the lives, their lives. And like Chris even said, you know, sometimes we don't like everything that goes on in government. But the great thing is, one of our freedoms is that we can actually express. We're allowed to, we have this freedom of speech thing. We are allowed to express our opinions, sometimes a little bit more vocal than we need to be. But, um, but we do, ex we have that freedom without the fear of being thrown into prison. We, we have that freedom. And so, Today, we live in an open society where we can enjoy all these freedoms. And today, being Remembrance Sunday, we remember the freedom which we have as a result of others laying down their lives. And we thank God for them. We thank God for, for the people that have done them. I know my father fought in the Second World War. He went to Burma and he fought in the Second World War and he had his medals and so forth. And I'm proud of him. So, but in the natural, in the natural, um, in the natural, the soldier's blood was shed so that we could enjoy these freedoms of democracy. And like that scripture, John 15, 13 says that greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So it's good to remember and to honor the fallen, but today we're here to look at things of a spiritual matter, okay? So Jesus laid down his life for us. Like these songs that we've been singing this morning, such beautiful, beautiful worship songs. His blood was shed to give us freedom. And that's true freedom. Not just a sort of a democracy freedom where we can express our opinions, but true spiritual freedom. Freedom to enjoy a living, vibrant relationship with Father God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Freedom to walk in victory. These are freedoms that Jesus has bought for us. Freedom to enter the very throne room of God. We can, we can come into the very presence of God. What a freedom that is. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That, by, that scripture says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't have to come in fear and trepidation that God's going to hit us over the head with a, with a stick. No, we can come with confidence, with boldness into God's presence. Why? Because we know we're accepted. 
because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that's how God sees you, through the blood of Jesus. So we are accepted. So earthly freedom is called democracy. But the spiritual freedom which God gives us is called grace. We sang about it in that last song. It was beautiful about the grace of God. And Jesus laid down his life so that we could, we could have freedom not just to walk in that grace that he's provided, but to live in it on a daily basis. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. It's a foundation scripture for all of us. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We're saved by grace. We, grace is a gift of God. It's God's unmerited favor towards us. And we are saved by grace through faith, not of works. It's not about ticking the boxes and doing this and doing that and not doing this and not doing that. Not of works lest anyone should boast. But he goes on, he says, for we are his workmanship. We're a work in progress. God's created us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's a, there's, there are works for us to walk into. And, but by this grace, this amazing grace, the Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 grace, this amazing grace, we can live in this grace on a daily basis. All we have to do is accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, follow his plan and purpose for our lives, and live his way. That is by grace, by the grace of God. We live in the grace of God. You know, in a democracy here in the UK, we have an elected government in place. We voted our government in. Who remembers voting in the recent elections? Hey, we voted the government in. And there are rules in society. There are always laws in society especially in a democracy. It's not chaos. We, we're not, we, I know people might think otherwise, but you know, the government is not a dictatorship. They, you might think otherwise, it's, but it is a democracy. We voted this government in, and that is a huge freedom. For any black South Africans, and I say it with the deepest respect, but for any black South Africans, they will know what that means, what that freedom of voting meant to them. You know, I served in a polling station in 1994 in South Africa during the first democratic elections. There were queues and queues and queues of African people who couldn't read, who couldn't write, who somewhere in their 70s, 80s, 90s years old, they couldn't read or write, they knew one word and they knew how to draw a cross. And that was Madiba and a cross. Come on. Madiba. But it's the importance of the vote. We have a right to vote. We have that right, and that's a freedom that people gave their lives for, that we have the right to vote. And in a similar way, the kingdom of God, when we, in the kingdom of God, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we don't vote him in. We invite him in. He's in by invitation. We choose him to now be the leader of our lives. We give him free reign. He's not a dictator. 
He doesn't lord it all over us, even though he is our Lord and Savior, but he doesn't lord it over us. We submit to him, we surrender to him. So maybe you've invited Jesus Christ to be your savior, but I want to encourage you today to take the step further. Invite him in to be your Lord. They're two separate different words. In the Greek, I know because I spoke to Byron before the service and he said my doctrine's right. And I said, what's the Greek word for savior? And he told me, he said it's sotare, am I right? Sotare, and that word means deliverer, deliverer. Jesus is our deliverer. In Colossians 1, he says he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness, from the power of darkness, and he's translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. He's delivered us. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. The Greek word for Lord is kyrios, kyrios, and it means master, sovereign, Lord. So let's make Jesus not just savior, but make him the Lord of our lives. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you've received him, walk in him. Well, we've just heard from Ephesians 2 how we received him. We received him by grace through faith. That's how we received him. That's how we continue to walk in him. We, we walk in the grace of God. We walk by faith in the grace of God. How, how else we received him? We surrendered to him. You know, the day I got saved, nobody stood over me with a big stick beating me saying, you will surrender. I was overcome, I was overwhelmed by the goodness and the love of God. And I just surrendered. And I yielded my life to him, as, as most of you today have done the same. You just surrendered. It was the goodness of God that led us to repentance, but we need to continue to walk in him by recognizing the grace of God which we live under. We need to remember, today's Remembrance Sunday, let's remember, let's appreciate and remind ourselves of the tender mercies of God. There's, there's this word in the Bible that says selah, I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but it means pause, meditate on, think about, just stop for a minute and think about these things. Remember, remember, on Remembrance Sunday, remember the tender mercies of God. Remember his love. Remember his acceptance for you. Remember his goodness. Remember that you are loved by him, accepted by him, adopted by him. On this Remembrance Sunday, remember, God is holy. God is a holy God. There's no sin, there's no darkness in him. And yet he accepts us as we are, washed in the blood of Jesus. I want to rem remind ourselves today, remember your first love. Remember, you know, sometimes we can get busy with stuff. It happens here on a Sunday morning. We get busy with stuff, life is busy, but pause, Selah, remember your first love. Remember the grace of God. Remember the goodness of God. Remember the tender mercies of God. Just remember, cast your mind back. 
even in the last week. Just remember, at times during this last week, God's trying to get your attention. He's drawing you to himself. Remember, remember. And now, share that grace that you've received, that goodness of God, that love, that mercy, that kindness. Share it. Share it. Allow the love of Christ to compel you. Paul says that. He said, I'm compelled by the love of Christ to share God's goodness with others. You know what? This Christian life is not about gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy. It's not about bless us for and no more. It's not what it's about. You know what? This lust takes care of self at the expense of others, whereas love takes care of others at the expense of self. That's powerful. Love takes care of others at the expense of self. Share the love of God with others. But you've got to receive that love before you can give it away. See love. Pause. Think about the grace of God that you live under on a, on a daily basis and start giving that grace. Start giving that goodness away. You know, there's a song, I think it's a prayer, actually, of Francis of Assisi. Said, uh, it goes, uh, we call to be an instrument of God's blessing, but we call to be a channel of God's love. We call to, you know, I just think of the goodness of God. There's always so much abundance. God isn't a miserly, mean-spirited God who's only just giving, drip-feeding us. Listen to some of these scriptures. It says, John 7, 38, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. There's no lack in God. There's an abundance. There's a flow. If we don't give away what we've been given, we become a swamp. A swamp is just a pool of stagnant water, and it becomes stagnant because there's no outlet. There's water coming in, and more water coming in, and more water coming in, and it just starts growing algae and it's disgusting. It stinks. It stinks. We've got to, no. Jesus says, out of your belly will flow rivers, not a drop, rivers of living water. Listen to this. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Wells of salvation. He's talking in big terms. He says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour water. I will pour. There's so much abundance. There's so much a flow. John 4, the well-known scripture of the, the woman at the well, he says, whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water, a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. What God gives us has purpose. Genesis 12, God, God speaking to Abraham, he said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. We are the same with the grace of God. We receive the grace of God, but we receive it in order to give it away. Like those, those the fallen that have gone before us, they didn't run away from those foxholes and from those war from, from the war, they took the bullets. They took the bullets. They lay down their lives. 
Galatians 2.21 says um, that I don't receive the grace of God in vain. It's, it's so important that we do, in fact, the Amplified said, I do not set aside, invalidate, frustrate, and nullify the grace of God. We've got to give this grace of God away. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. Don't treat it with disdain. It's not about living my life my way anymore. And it's not about not living life my way, but it's about living life God's way in every area of my life. I need to do what I can do and God will do the rest. He does his part, but I need to bring my part. We don't just receive the grace of God in vain. We need to share God's grace. We need to share God's goodness. I think of today, I mean, in the, now moved into the Richmond room so the kids can make a noise. Kids Church, talk about a sacrifice. Week after week after week, Lee has been there ever since we started doing Kids Church in another room. She's been there week after week with helpers, with Roz's helped, and today Anne's helped, and Andrew's helped. And um, you know what? Lee's building the kingdom of God in those kids' lives. She's not babysitting. It's about establishing the kingdom. And you know what? She could quite easily say, no, I don't feel called to it. No, not my thing. Do you know what? I also thought it wasn't my thing until I did it. And I tell you what, this is a plug, but it's one of the most rewarding departments you can ever serve in in a church is kids' church. It's fantastic. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's the truth. It really is. You learn so much. You learn about the kids. You learn about yourself. You learn about God. It's fantastic. So it's a plug. If anybody wants to serve in kids' church, I've got a form ready for you to get DBS checked. Please come and see me after the service. But whether it's kids' church, whether it's hospitality, with Byron and Veronica serving breakfasts here every month and everything in between and um, set up every Sunday. Johnny, Alex, Amy, Andrew, and so many others come in week after week. Half past eight, nine o'clock, setting up. That's a sacrifice. They're laying down their lives. And, you know, when you think about our democracy, our, 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 our physical freedom that we, that we enjoy today, that cost our ancestors their lives. But so too, our spiritual freedom cost Jesus his life. But I don't want to just stop there. What about our brothers and sisters that have gone before us, that have laid down their lives? Do you remember the day of your salvation? I remember my day so well, 15th of September, 1994. No, 1991. Oh, gosh, no, 1991. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> but the day of my salvation, I sat on a chair. Somebody had got there early and put that chair out for me. There was, a, there was a worship team filled with these fantastic musicians. Somebody had rehearsed their song, that song, all week or two weeks. They'd been rehearsing. They'd been playing their guitar or their keyboard and practicing whatever it is that they do as, as, as worship leaders. The hosting team, they ushered me to my seat. The pastor preached the right message for me that day, that exact message that I needed. You know what? God laid that message on that guy's heart, that pastor's heart on that day, the 15th of September, 1991, and he did the same thing for you the day you got saved. 
How big is God? I love, there's a, there's a, there's a singer called Nicole C. Mullen. She's absolutely awesome. She's wonderful. And she's got this song. It's called Family Tree. And she talks about her family that surrounds her and, and how her parents and her grandparents went before her. And she, there's a line in her song called Family Tree that says, you took the heat for me. You took the heat for me. And that's what Amy's doing here every week. That's what Lee's doing every week. That's what Andrew, I don't want to leave people out, but that's what people are doing every week. You're taking the heat for those that are coming after us. But we've, but we've, got, to, we've got to be... We've got to be doing, we've got to be lay down our life on this Remembrance Sunday, not just today, but always ahead. In, in Colossians 1.24, the Apostle Paul says, it's not going to come up on the screen, but just listen to what he says. He said, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. When you read that, you think, well then, wasn't Jesus a sacrifice enough? Did Paul have to do something extra over and above than what Jesus did? And the answer is no. Jesus' sacrifice was enough for us, to, for our salvation. But he's talking there how Paul laid down his life. You know, you read the Bible, you open up the back of your Bible. I've got maps on the back of my Bible. I love looking at the maps. Paul's missionary journeys. He went to Asia and he went to Rome and he, and, and you think, Yay, but there was no fly bee or easy jet in those days. It was mule and boats and hardship. He was, how many times was he shipwrecked? Three times or something. That it wasn't easy, but he went down and he, and he preached the gospel all over Asia Minor and over in, in Rome. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We learn from this man to this day, inspired by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Your life matters. Your life matters. And how you live your life matters. Do you know what? There are people on the other side to your obedience with God. There are people. You know what? Some, maybe maybe uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on something that we've, we've been sharing on in the last couple of weeks about forgiveness. I don't know why. I just can't get off it. I just cannot get away from it. So I think God's got something here. He's on, he's on our case. You know what, maybe you're withholding forgiveness from somebody, a brother or a sister or someone in the world even. But you know what, God on the other hand wants to extend grace to that person. And guess what, maybe he wants to use you. Maybe he wants to use you. The same mercies that he's extended to you, he wants to extend to them. He's, he, he wants to change them. He, 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 he doesn't want them to be alienated from him for the rest of their lives and spend eternity separated from him. It's God's desire that all men are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants all people to be saved. He knows the consequences of them not getting saved. But sometimes we say, no, that person's hurt me. They've hurt my feelings and I will not forgive. Well, Sorry to say, in fact, I'm not sorry to say, I say it with absolute clarity and with all of heaven behind me. We are commanded to forgive. We are commanded. So if, if you don't forgive someone again who sinned against you, the Bible says, well, you're going on a certain path. You're going down a certain way and it's a broad path. 
you're going along the broad path. When we started on a whole bunch of these series, Chris did a series called Walking with God. I thought it was so powerful. There was so much truth in it. And one sentence, a line that he said, was about walking with God means that we're walking at the same pace and in the same direction as God. So if God is telling us, forgive. If God is telling us, walk walk in the Spirit, walk in unity with me, walk under the grace of God, walk under the forgiveness of God, that's what we need to do. We need to live God's way in every area of our lives. Psalm 4, verses 4 and 5. I love the scripture. It says, be angry and do not sin. Anger is an emotion. And emotions are okay. We, we, God made us with emotions. But what do we do with them when they when they start managing us. We can't allow our emotions to manage us. We've got to manage our emotions. It says, be angry and do not sin. It's okay to be angry, but do not sin. You've got to deal with that anger. If it's unforgiveness, whatever the cause is, do not sin. Then he goes on, he says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. And there's that word, sila. Meditate within your heart on your bed, and be still, zip the lip, zip it, zip it, be still, meditate on your heart, meditate within your heart, Lord, I thank you that I choose to forgive that person this day, I thank you, Lord, you have forgiven me, you've wiped my slate clean, thank you, Lord, that I can stand before you boldly today, come into your presence, knowing that I'm accepted by you, I'm loved by you, that's a meditating on him, meditating on in my heart and be still. Sila, think about that. Then he goes on, he says, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. I love that word. The sacrifices of righteousness. I think, wow, I sound quite spiritual when I say that. I'm quite proud of myself. But all it means, it's doing things God's way, that there's a right way of doing things. We're not going to do things like the Cain and Abel way, like we heard last week. Remember when a Cain brought that, that offering, this will do God, you know, you, yes, I acknowledge you the creator, but that's it. This will do, no, no, we're going to do things God's way. Even when it's a sacrifice, even when it can hurt our flesh. You know, God's not left us as orphans. Romans 8 says that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of the body. So when our flesh is screaming and saying, ah, I don't want to do this, I don't want to forgive, I don't want to do this, by the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, we can put to death the deeds of the body and learn to live by conviction and not by preference. It's so powerful. We cannot afford to live by preference. We need to live by conviction. Conviction has got to be based, though, on the Word of God. Our conviction has to be based on the Word of God. It can't just be what I think is right. No, go to the Word and make sure that what you think is right is right. Okay, don't assume things. Um, but we've got to live by conviction and not, not preference. Our pastor in South Africa always used to say, 
If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Make sure that what, you, what you're hearing and what you're listening to and what you're believing is Bible. Some of it can sound good, some of it can sound spiritual. Make sure that your conviction is based on the Word of God. Don't base your conviction on emotionalism, okay? You cannot base your conviction on feelings. We're not called to live by feelings. We're called to live by faith in the Word of God. You know what? Even conviction can't even be based on desire. You know, just by way of an example before just coming into close, in 1998, Chris and I met in Bible College in 1996. And um, in 1998, we came to this country thinking we were coming into the, going to go into the ministry in 1998. So we just did what we had to do. We got involved in the church. We served in every department. We almost burnt ourselves out. We did everything that we could do. And we did that for about nine years, thinking now, okay, any minute now, God, any minute now we're going to ministry. And, um, well, nine years went past and still nothing. So we decided, we were convicted we had a conviction that this is right. We're now going to go start a church in Wales while we were living in Wales. Big mistake. Big mistake. It sounds right. It's spiritual. But the timing was wrong. Our motive was wrong at the time. There was so much wrong that it didn't work out. As end result, short, long story short, we had to shut the church. We left Wales, we left people. We, the, the hurt that was caused as a result, we didn't go out intentionally trying to hurt people. We were trying to bless people. We were trying to be a blessing. But we were, we were living by our conviction, which wasn't based, even though it was based kind of on the word, but at that moment, we were led by our feelings. And then another 11 years went past before God called us. So. There was a calling, there is a calling, but we had to wait for God's timing. So be careful how you're led by desire. Don't be led by emotion. Don't be led by feelings. Be led by the Word of God. Our conviction must be based on the Word of God. So I'm just going to end with this. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Remember the grace of God. Remember the kindness of God. Remember the favor of God. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Enjoy the liberty. Enjoy the freedom. No more guilt. No more condemnation. Just accepting the love of God. Receiving the love of God. Enjoy the freedom that Christ has bought for you. Amen. Let's pray.